Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, The Punisher, the second film adaption released in 2004. The film stars Thomas Jane as the anti-hero Frank Castle and John Travolta as Howard Saint, a crime boss who orders the death of Castle's entire family. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, and this was before Marvel, obviously 2004, before Iron Man, before the MCU, when after the success of Spider-Man and the X-Men, every studio was banging on Marvel's door to license one of their characters for films. Uh, This was The Punisher. This was what everyone expected would be the easiest to monetize. It's basically uh, an action movie, which these days would be John Wick. But at the time would have been more in the 90s vein of like Die Hard and a Rambo and any anything like that. It's like, yeah, you just do that kind of action and that kind of dialogue, but put the guy in the skull t-shirt and, you know, make money. So I always found it strange. You know, we had this and then it is almost like it was rebooted for the uh, one that we got uh, Punisher Warzone with... Well- it was Ray Stevenson, so that was yeah. in 2008. You know, in the opening, I said that this is the second film adaption. The first one, which we did talk about reviewing, that came out in 1989 before Tim Burton's Batman. I think if it had come out after, they would have had Dolph Lundgren wearing the skull on his chest. We don't get that until this movie instead. The the tips of the handle of his knives have little metal skulls. So although technically, not, I mean, not technically, he was. Dolph was the first live-action Punisher. I said to you, Denard, maybe we'll start with this one. Let's start with Thomas Jane. Yeah, because it does have all the more most recognisable elements. The big skull across the chest, um, the name Frank Castle, as is uh, known and the death of the family by uh, like mobsters going after mobsters specifically, you know, the Mar- Marvel flip book at the beginning of the, uh, yeah, it's, the it's all, show. it's all there, isn't it? I mean, with my, yeah. I, I reckon we'll probably get to Dolph at some stage, but I thought this would be a good place to start because just looking back on what the podcast has covered so far and fairly recently, Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Um, we did Nick Cage Ghost Rider, we've done Electra, X-Men. So so many of the Marvel films have been covered already, and this film does fit within them. Now I remember watching Spider-Man 2, and at the end, Mary Jane, she's not gonna marry John Jameson, and she goes to Peter and she runs past Thomas Jane who's in the end of the movie which is like so odd she's running she's in a wedding dress and Thomas Jane stops turns and looks around and that was like before MCU it didn't end up being 
anything. Just a little bit of fun for the fans. So before we got this film, we saw Thomas Jane there. So I remember like getting excited. I rushed out to the cinema to see this film. Not only did I buy the soundtrack, I bought the score album. I was so into this film and watched it as this big new Marvel film at the movies. Again, we'd already had Daredevil. This was an exciting time, but it wasn't until years later, and even like as recent as now doing prep for this, finding that this really was a low-budget film. And they utilised a lot of like old-fashioned like film tactics for stunts, any of the action scenes really. I mean, the budget of this film, 33 million. And we talked about, you know, X-Men, Spider-Man, like they were all happening by the time this film came out. But it went on to earn 54.7 million at the box office. So they weren't getting Spider-Man, X-Men numbers for this film, I mean, it got decent enough reviews at the time, but looking now on Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting at 29%. And although I remember good word of mouth at the time, looking now, there's quite a bit of negativity, if I'm honest. I mean, they tried to get a sequel off the ground and, For the longest time, Thomas Jane was still attached. And the the director, Jonathan Hensley, who was also a writer on the film, he was attached until eventually it did become the reboot you mentioned earlier, Punisher Warzone. Although years later, Thomas Jane did make or star in that short movie, Dry dry Cleaning. Dirty laundry. Dirty laundry. That's it. Kind of dry cleaning. Yeah. But uh, big, um, yes. <laughs> yeah. The big, yeah. The big problem with this, uh, and we get it now, where we can see when we, now we get R rated superhero stuff like the, the Suicide Squad by James Gunn and the Peacemaker series and the Boys TV series. And the, the John Bernthal Netflix series, which is now airing on Disney Plus of The Punisher, like the problem with this one really in retrospect is it wasn't big enough and violent enough, or not, not big enough, but violent enough. Like there's always been a brutality to The Punisher, uh, which is ironic because his debut, of course, was in Spider-Man yeah. <laughs> back in the late 60s. But He's all because his whole thing is he doesn't have arch nemesis, he doesn't have super reoccurring villains because his for his op, you know, MO is lethal force. He goes up against someone, they don't survive the experience. He's always been that character. There's a there's so little blood in this film. Uh, at the it's the, the oh, in the sequence. Uh, when his family's being killed, it, I didn't actually notice it until this viewing. I'm like, wow, what, where are all the squibs? Like, where's all the the, the fake blood? There should you know be what? That's, like, yeah, that's a good point. He's, 
That yeah, yeah. I've heard people well, get I... shot and they fall over, but there's yeah. no, there's not even the the mark on the on the clothes of like a tear. Never mind about the the fake blood coming out of it. You're right um, about the blood, but this film does have a high body count, forty five yeah. deaths. But you're right. <laughs> but then again, though, we do get, and again, it's kind of like shock violence. Like we get the scene yeah. where. Punisher stabs the guy like under his jaw, and then you see the yeah. blade in his mouth. Yeah. So this thing, I guess, when I think of the Punisher, I think of scenes like that. Like we definitely do get a lot of violence, and he uses fists a lot. But you're right. Yeah. There's there's not really a lot of blood. More so in in the opening scene. I always remembered yeah. like the. Like for me, outside of this movie, the origin of like the Punisher that you know his family were gone down, not his entire family. I always remember it being was it his wife and son? Like yeah, or, yeah, yeah. It was that, always that's... yeah. It was always but just it his family. I thought it was like they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. I didn't always no, always the, back always back plan. in the comic book origin. It was actually dirty cops. Who right. uh, portrayed him? Who himself was a cop, and it, you know he took them out. But then it became a whole war on um, terror, uh, a war on crime thing of going to organize crime because, of course, that's where the money for these dirty cops came from was organized crime. Um, but it's. It's been retro. I think I believe it's been retroactively altered for the comics as well. Retconned into, no, 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 no. It was always just a mafia hit, um, but it was always after him specifically because, you know, his his history has always been. Not only has he fought in wars, and it's, uh, now, maybe not so much advertising that, back in the eighties, like, uh the heroin trade in the U S was because of Afghanistan and the opium being grown there to help pay for the war. Uh, the South American drug trade, a lot of that was done through the CIA to destabilize uh, small countries in South America um, who were going communist. So that kind of history, you know, those that drug trade always goes back to the, organized crime so that kind of real world history has as i said retconned the history of the character but it's also a very dark corner that you don't think of as superhero comics not marvel no. comics but and like you say a character that first debuted in spider-man definitely not but i do know that they have had to retcon which war he was actually in as yeah because as the decades yeah, have yeah. passed because otherwise it would not be Vietnam. <laughs> It would be old man Punisher. That's not what we're getting here. Okay, so the opening then, where he's undercover. I always wondered, but now I actually have an answer. I remember like thinking at the time, because for most of the movie, just like in you know all the posters and the art for the film, he's got short black hair just like the Punisher does. But he's playing yeah. a character in the opening here, and he's got long blonde hair. And I've always thought, like, is that a wig? Is Thomas Jane just wearing a wig? I've got an answer. He actually had long blonde hair yeah. before he was signed on to do the film. 
they he kept the hair for the opening. Then he has his short black hair. So there we go. He's not actually wearing a wig. Mentioned the director before, Jonathan Hensley, best known for writing films such as Jumanji, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Armageddon. Yeah, pretty he's a, good he's not... credentials, you know, pretty good credentials. And then he went on, and not only was he one of the writers on this film, also the director. I'm not sure. I think this might even be his directorial debut. I'm not quite sure on that, but looking up um, what he has done, all I was finding was writer credits. Yeah, and those are all like big name action movies as well. This is this is in his wheelhouse. I just feel like, and this is usually a decision that they tone down the violence to go PG thirteen because I think it will yield more results in terms of uh, asses and seats. Yeah, but- I I think going to someone like him and based on what he's done, I don't think they presented thirty three million. No, that's probably there's been a few back and forths and what was the original budget was no longer the case. And this is the, the money that they, they had to make the film. I mean, th- this is a film where if a car crashes, you can see they're crashing cars. Yeah. That's not CGI. Like they are really crashing things. We just see in explosions. I mean, there's a rawness, to this film. And that's what I was saying before, whereas it does feel like, old school filmmaking yeah i did notice uh when the family being killed the guy hiding behind the barbecue and he shoots the the gas bottle yeah uh it was absolutely a a, a mannequin that landed that was i could yeah. see the yeah. the skin i'm like but that's something i've learned to look for <laughs> yeah i i did um, notice i yeah, I did know that. So, yeah, the, the way that it just um, fly, flies up in the air. But what works about this film, though, what has always worked, Thomas Jane. I really do like him as as Frank Castle. He's, he's really yeah. good. I mean, he trained for nearly seven months with the United States Navy SEALs, gained more than 20 pounds of muscle in doing so. Like, he really... Yeah. He really wanted this part. And again, if not yeah. for creative differences, he would have come back for an actual sequel. Yeah. And he, have, you know, he's a big guy as well. Like he's got an imposing presence uh, physically. Um, he's got the gruff voice. Uh, the, big, the big one, I think one of the failures of this movie is you, have, you get all that stuff at the start with the actual, his origin. And then violence is very slow coming. I mean, it's it was it's a common complaint about the John Bernthal Punisher series as well. Of there's not a lot of action in this movie, this series. But when it happens, it happens. But they, yeah, they they save it for the end. Really, you know, when you get to yeah. the third act, that's when things are actually happening. Until then, is moving fire hydrants. People are getting tickets, you know. He's, yeah. but he's using his yeah. smarts though. Like I, I yeah. did, I did like that. But at the same time, that like, even yeah. when I watched it back in 04, you're like, oh, really? Is this what we're doing? You on a stakeout? You've got a fire hydrant in your bag. This guy's going to get a ticket. But I get it. It's yeah. you know, it's not just muscle; his brains. 
but yeah, that's got to be a budget yeah. thing as well. Got yeah, to be. because that's also how the character is in the comics. He's has a war journal and he does reconnaissance, intense reconnaissance. He plans out his stuff at like a military operation, which means all the info ahead of schedule. Like he's not surprised by anything because he's he's uh, mapped it out to the ninth degree, which means it's always going to be slow. It's always going to be a slow burner with him. But when you've got a movie, you need more spread out. Like you need more action to help sell the the intimidation and like the cap- the physical capabilities of the character. Um, well, she has the, the sequence with the Russian, still great. Kevin Nash, yeah, uh, he's really WWE good in wrestler. This. Yeah, dressed uh, up. Where's Wally? That's it. Yeah, <laughs> Red and and right out the, the Punisher story that was the basis for the story for this movie. That's for, written by Garth Ennis. There's so, so many. There's so many elements from different comics that are included in this film, like the popsicle interrogation scene. That's drawn yeah. from a nearly identical scene in Punisher Warzone 1 from 92, written by Chuck Dixon. And there's so many more examples of that. So you're right. like It is faithful to how he is in the comics. But I guess if you're watching this as a Marvel film, following X-Men, Spider-Man, even certain Daredevil. promises are made. Yeah. yeah, you're expecting, you know, certain things. But we do get a comic-accurate-looking Punisher. Like, and, you know, he's got the, the skull on his chest. I mean, that's, you know, trademark yeah. Punisher to have that yeah. long coat skull. He's got the long coat. But I like the fact that we've talked about it before when doing these reviews that not everything needs an origin. Like, let it just be a thing. But the fact that his son got this skull T-shirt for him and he wears it to, like, punish people, vengeance for his family, I do like that it comes from somewhere because it is a bit of a leap, isn't it, that a character is suddenly going to wear a white skull on his chest. So the way they incorporated that into the story... I thought was good. And it, they mucky it up a little bit as well. Like I read that yeah. originally it was primary why. I think they put out a teaser trailer. Bit of negativity there. People didn't like how white it was. So the costume designer changed it to a worn down design, which does fit the character. It's, it's yeah. better when it looks worn, but it, it looks like the Punisher. I don't know. I mean, visually, again, a great performance by Jane, and visually, he looks just like the Punisher, unlike that Dolph film where it was just Dolph with black hair. Yeah. This guy Um, actually looks like the Punisher. Yeah. The big uh, thing is he talks a lot for the Punisher. Punisher, Ray Stevenson's uh, Punisher Warzone character where he, I don't. I think he's has so little dialogue in that. Same with John Bernthal. It's a lot of being quiet because he's alone. He doesn't have a team and sidekicks and stuff. He doesn't interact with people. He doesn't form connections. That's not who the Punisher is. But Stevenson, so, he did get microchip. Wayne Knight played yeah. microchip in that movie. Who is essentially a sidekick or one yeah. from the comics. He's the tech guy. 
Originally, they were going to have him in this. They decided against it. Maybe from yeah. what you're saying, they thought he was talking too much anyway. I yeah. mean, the reason um, why he's talking so much, though, the building where he lives, and like, and he makes all these all these friends. I mean, Rebecca Romain, Mystique in X-Men, yeah. is now in this. She's playing one of the tenants, Joan. Joan. Yep, she's playing Joan. She's got an abusive ex. Um, the other tenants, her friends, we've got Ben Foster as Spacker Dave. We've got John Pinetta's Nathaniel Bumpo. They can't quite stand up to this ex, but then Frank comes out and they invite him for dinner and they essentially become friends. And then it becomes yeah. a bit of a different a different dynamic. I mean, Ben Foster, he's got a face full of piercings. Um, we get that interrogation scene with Will Patton as Quinton Glass. Yeah, which is, I still, is really good. Uh, really well done um again because of the rating they cut away from the the actual scene the violence just it's you see what you know what he's going to do it's set up where there's no question in your mind what he's going to do to him and then you see the the makeup on afterwards Afterwards, not having to suffered through seeing it happen but which is still super effective in terms of like what what's going on and those characters um, i do like them in their dynamic but i do but at the same time it's probably leaning into what you're talking about where frank's talking a lot more because of them they're trying to bring it out of him and is and they've got like their own little community but it works i mean ben foster yeah. i've seen him in so many films and just the guy is just intense intimidating not here yeah not he's, yeah he's been yeah he's been in so many he's so good at uh morphing into a role uh and unfortunately he's never quite hit it big i, mean, I think his biggest role was probably as angel in x-men 3 yeah probably Budget-wise, yeah, like he did the first mechanic film with Jason Statham, but that's not X-Men level yeah. budget. Um, so yeah, he's, and he was in that western with Christian Bale, Three Ten uh, to Humor. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I mean, he's great. He's always great in everything. But yeah, but he was really good in this because, like, he was just sort of like this little guy, like you know, and you felt sorry for him. But ordinarily, like you know, he's never the star. But whenever Ben Foster is in something, he commands presence. Yeah. Um, they've got Harry Heck, who I'm not familiar with as a character from a comic book, uh, played by Mark Colley. But he's the he's the hitman that gets hired, who comes with a guitar and sings a song to him. I don't before. get it. I don't get what it's always loved to, to see. Yeah. It's, I've always it's, loved this. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. He's got the little tattoo tear. Yeah. And it's like, is that the actor or the character? And he's got the, the character. Yeah, it's right. Okay. So the actor doesn't really have, I, I don't know. No. I, I guess I just took this guy as I, he's just a bloke that walks in off the street. Like, and he's just like, Hey, you're making a movie. Let me be in it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting I character. Was, well, really. Yeah. Really well put together character. That kind of gets way, like, if this was TV show, that would be someone who would be like, hunting him down and you'd see over multiple episodes but i'm like ah and this this movie's full of these things you get the russian you get harry heck you get 
um, a lot of these, like Quentin Glass, who is uh, Howard Saint's right-hand man, his conciliary, who uh, turns out is gay. And that's, uh, and that's one, and- of the, one of the things that Frank is using as revenge against uh, the saints who are the people who order the hit on his family. Well, Howard um, Saint is a very jealous man, especially over his wife. And that's what, yeah, drives him to kill his friend out of jealousy. You know, the opening of this movie, I've always thought it, and I didn't even know this to be the case, which I feel silly for now. So there's two sons. One gets killed in the beginning. So we've got Bobby Saint and John Saint. Played by the same actor? Yeah, right. I didn't know it was the same actor. So both were played by James Carpinello. But each time I've watched this film, I've just thought how silly that mustache looks. It looks like such, it looks like a kid playing grown-up, like having this yeah. mustache. But but now finding out it's the same actor, oh, they clearly wanted to give a distinction between the two. So people like yeah. me would think it was two different people. But yes, and that's what sets off the the plot like that's what's driving the whole movie howard saint who we should probably talk about john travolta i mean he's the one that especially towards the end of the movie the more the the more driven the more angry he is and the more that he wants frank castle john travolta is chewing up the scenery left right and center and i wish i wrote some down he has the cheesiest lines in this yeah, where's mother? Line. She's gone. What do you mean she's gone? She Caught took the, the train. train. She took the train. Yeah, it's like oh, and yeah, and then there's there's a couple more after that. But this is um this is some good Travolta. I mean, again, it's been cheesy. I'm not necessarily saying that in a in a negative way. So it is yeah. quite a serious film. So I think he does offer a bit of levity, even though his motives are dark and sinister like he's still yeah, yeah he, he's livening things up yeah a little bit i mean this is yeah. 2004 it was 90 was it yeah 95 pulp fiction that's when he had his comeback so yeah. he was it 94 95 but with pulp fiction and then yeah yeah but and but then also to... he's playing a villain which is this this is only the second time this was like not long after swordfish Ah, that's a good call. Yeah. I watched that again recently. He's good in Swordfish. But I'm like yeah. thinking, because before Pulp Fiction, I mean, he'd done like the Look Who's Talking movies in the early 90s. And I don't think he was doing too much. But I I do remember from watching this, it was still like, our oh, Travolta's back. You know? Yeah. It's, you know. Yeah. Um, also, going on his performance at at the throughout most of the movie, and it's not until Punisher's plan starts to really take effect that he's actually being overt and like attacking his money and that sort of stuff. Travolta's performance is very like uh cultivated and very like cold and like everything's like surface level, like small movements, everything's very precise, and um, there's not a lot of emotion. But yeah, as his world unravels, so does he. His hair's not smooth now. It's flopping in his face. He's getting yelly, where before he was always quiet and in control and in, it, more intimidating when he's quiet. But as, yes. you know, yeah, um, which it, it does feel like a specific idea of like, this is uh, where this is him getting worse and worse. 
as uh, the Punisher's getting closer and closer to him, which I thought I've always appreciated. I always thought it was a well, well-rounded role for, um, for Travolta, even with it. I like Hammy uh, chewing the scenery villains. I can't help it. Yeah, <laughs> and a- Travolta, he does it well, and he gets to the point where everybody else is dead. It, you've just got Howard saying the Punisher. You know it's not going to be a fair fight, and no. it isn't. And then no. he strings up Saint back of his car, sets off the car. There's explosions, giant skull. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. That, that's that's leaving. the that's the worst CGI in the whole movie. It's the only time <laughs> they use CGI fire, and it's and it's for that. And, I mean the yeah. the double D flames looked better in Daredevil. Yeah. But we're getting, I guess, the Punisher's version of that. Um, the score to the film, it, it's it's an interesting one. The composer is Carlo Ciliotto. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correct. I'm probably not. He's an Italian composer. Uh, director Jonathan Hensley wanted the music to be very emotional and was aware of his previous work, which led to him being chosen. Hensley did not want superhero music for the ending scene where Frank is on the Sunshine Skyway Bridge making his vow as the Punisher because the Punisher is not a superhero. Now, I read that before I did the rewatch of the film. I didn't really notice it, but yeah, it's like there's no score at all. It's just you get the, the voiceover, but other than that, as soon as he stops talking... It's just him there in silence on the bridge with a big skull on his chest. <laughs> but he's, yeah. he's not a superhero, so there's not like an inspiring theme or anything like that. Yeah. But I thought that was that it's was a smart interesting. choice. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I agree. I just never noticed um yeah. that was happening and and that there was a genuine reason why the director wanted it that way. Yeah. I was looking at other films that he has composed and I was coming across nothing that I've ever heard of a lot of Italian yeah. cinema, which I guess makes, makes sense. But the director clearly had a vision in mind for the score. And as soon as I press play on the movie, like I've not seen it in so long, but instantly I thought, Oh, I like this. I like the, that's probably not a good rendition, yeah. but you know, the score yeah. I'll, I'll start yeah. the episode with that theme. So you'll have yeah. a bit of a refresher as well, yeah. but yeah. Straight there is away, also a little bit of a think of military like bugle feel to it. Like I, you could almost see like a uh, marching band, like yeah, uh formation, marching who there's uh it's not quite as over the top as you would get in like aliens or in like starship troopers but there's enough of it there to recognize of like oh there's yeah that makes sense for his background yeah um, and, and again it it fits the character so when whenever i hear it i instantly think the punisher but again this came out you know early noughties soundtracks like they were a big thing i mean now like you know looking at mcu dceu you're gonna get an album but it's a score that's what it is it's the it's the music from the film but this is back when we were getting pop songs rock songs like this movie 
two lead singles were broken by Seether and Evanescence frontwoman Amy Lee and Step Up by Drowning Pool. Yeah. <laughs> so this movie got music videos. And again, I've got both CDs, the score and, and the soundtrack. And yeah, they're fine. You know, this, the songs are very dated, which, you know, tends to, to happen, you know, when yeah. songs are specifically made to play, you know, during a certain film. But Evanescence featured heavily at least two tracks on Daredevil. Yeah, think, and maybe yeah. maybe she was on Electra as well, or maybe it was just that training sequence in in Electra. But um but yeah, it was the early noughties. These were the bands, the singers that you would go for for your films. Um, and and they they would have been quite expensive, I would imagine. So maybe quite a lot of the the budget would have gone towards them for for the music. Yeah. Um, speaking when you talk about that closing the monologue, one of the things I noticed this time was a strange editing choice where the Punisher's writing his like note of like I want people to understand what like what happened so there's no miscommunication like uh he starts writing that then uh and you get to point one like and he says the the creed from his uh his uh, star sergeant in the marines of um you know uh if you want peace you must be prepared for war then it goes silent for 10 minutes as he starts to put in his final bits of like with Travolta, like, and then he's about to do his uh, assault and he's strapping up to do his assault on the, the club for the climax. And then the monologue comes back in and I'm like, wait a minute. They, they started this monologue 10 minutes ago and then stopped. And then you get your two point, your, your final two points out of the three. I'm like, that's a strange editing choice. I've never noticed that. Yeah, now I've said it, the next time you watch it, it will be like clear as day. But yeah, it, because it feels like there's some shuffling around in the editing room because you see the, him start writing the note he's narrating, but then he's all the other stuff happens and then it cuts, it comes back in again. I'm like, what? Like, you know, he starts it, leaves the apartment, then he cut to fire hydrant the wife breaking into quentin's apartment uh travolta um going there killing his friend going to his wife getting rid of her going to the club monologue starts again i'm like that's a lot of <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like yeah i i that's a that's a something i i I remembered the mod- I remembered the the voiceover from when I loved previous times I'd seen it, but I didn't remember that it was so broken over two, like separated by this big long. I want I won't even call it a scene or a sequence because it's multiple scenes to get us from that point to that point. I'm like, wow, that's just, that's really strange. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. the start yeah. of uh, Act Three and the middle of Act Three separated by that kind of runtime of like i said like 10 or 15 minutes I'm like what 
we're coming back to this monologue he was doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest, it may be a while before I watch it again, but I'll yeah. I'll make a note and I'll, yeah. I'll look out for that when I watch it again. But if you're going to rate this film out of five. Um, you want to come in at a three out of five, which sounds low. But it's not it's not because of lack of enjoyment or anything like that. It's mainly because I've seen better Punisher stuff since in live action. Uh I think the Ray Stevenson Warzone movie was better paced in terms of action. I mean that was uh Lexi Alexander was the director of that one. Uh and of course John Bernthal's like incredible performance for the for his two and a half seasons if you can count if you include the dev, devil punisher stuff um and again that's not a knock on thomas jane or anything here but you feel as i said the that, that budget restraints and the fact that those action sequences it re- this really could have done with like malt big like two or three big action sequences throughout it um after his origin uh, where only it's just the Russian and then the final sequence. And the Russian, I wouldn't call a big action sequence. I'm just, it's just a really well done action sequence. Um, so, yeah, it's just three out of five. Everything, the, the music's good. It's well handled. It's just, it doesn't, it's probably just the time of the era. And the fact that if really the, the lack of blood, the, it's missing that edge. The Punisher for me is supposed to have, unfortunately. Um, how about yourself? Well, I've said, haven't I? Like with this film, watching the movies, got the DVD, bought the CDs, and not just like for the Punisher. You know, I did the same for Daredevil, Elektra, the X Men films. I was all in. We were getting Marvel on the big screen. I got swept up in all of that, and so I've always had a soft spot. For this film, um, you know, this recent viewing, like it's a, it is a good film. Like it's very noticeable now that it they made it on the cheap compared to a lot of other. I mean, not even Marvel films or other films. Like the same yeah. year this film came out, Man on Fire, Tony Scott film, Denzel Washington, Dakota Fanning. Yeah, that is a brilliant Punisher film, and it came yeah, it out is. the same year as this, and it looked more polished. And you know, I don't know the budget, but I'm sure it was more than thirty-three million. Yeah, like a Mel Gibson revenge movies as well. Like you can pick so many of them, uh, all with budgets higher than this one. Yeah, but this film, though, you know, with the things that we talked about by its own merits, it, it's it, it is a three out of five. Which is a recommend. It is a good film. I do prefer this to the Ray Stevenson, and I do prefer this to the the Dolph one as well. This is my favorite Punisher film. Although it's been quite a while since I've seen Warzone, so maybe I need to give that movie another shot. But this film, though, like it works as well as it does for me because of Thomas Jane. This yeah. movie, it would. I mean, without him, it brings so much to it like the training so he's got the physical presence uh, but Thomas Jane is a is a good actor so we do get yeah. a good Frank Castle from him 
in here. Well, that's it for our episode all about the Punisher. If you would like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.